0: I'm Cass. I'm Kat. I'm Kim. And you are listening to to Book Bitches. Yes!
1: Welcome back, Book Bitches. Um, We are here with Kim, or AK Wilder, as is on her books. And we're so excited to have her here. She's joining us from Australia. Yes? Yes, I am. Wow. Beautiful. Awesome. Always wanted to go. I know, me too. I just feel like it's this magical land, and I'm like, I need to go there. It's not over yet. (laughs) time <laughs> to get there. I know, I know. Time to get there. When the world gets a little bit less crazy, we'll... Um... Yes, yeah. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, we are currently in the midst of reading Kim's new book, Crown of Bones. Yes, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful read. So we were wondering if you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your book and um, what they can expect when they read it.
0: well i'm yeah uh i've been writing telling stories for many many years (laughs) most of my life uh even though actually i was a little late bloomer with the reading and the articulation skills so they all just kind of happened in my head Hmm. and uh, then it was actually a real relief when i could get them out of my head and into some kind of form so that was a process over Hmm. time. And you know, reading and telling stories has been the highlight of my life so far. It's a part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And very much fantasy. It was one of the first I remember I remember being 12 years old and finding these books in my brother's room, <laughs> which I wasn't supposed to go into. And <laughs> it was called "Lord of the Rings." Yeah. And it just I just get goosebumps saying it, but it, just, it changed my life falling into that story
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then I turned around and read those to my son when he was four five and six a little chapter bedtime for years and he ended up loving fantasy and uh in part having a career as an animator in in the field mm, but this book I think what you can expect from the book is is what you said Cass it's high, it is high fantasy yes Mm-hmm. Kind is. of, I think it has a, a contemporary, cat alert, a mm-hmm. contemporary, <laughs> he's the noisy one, a mm-hmm. contemporary yes. feel, mm-hmm. even though it's not, uh, it's in an agrarian hegemony, it's not, it's industrial and all that has the, it still feels more like the dialogue and the banter, mm-hmm. I think, more contemporary. I, so it's not like the classical high fantasy where you're spending a lot of time with incredible world building but a lot of descriptions of trees and which is it is great yes (laughs) but I I think I gave it a more contemporary reader spin yeah even though it is high fantasy yeah and um I think you can expect adventure (laughs) and uh, a journey that uh, will grab your heart and just, I don't know, make you feel things, I hope.
1: (laughs) It's very, it's very gripping from the get-go and like, I think you're right in the sense of, it's, it has a contemporary feel to it in terms of like the dialogue and like we've talked about this before where I say, high fantasy sometimes is hard to digest if the dialogue is um very high fantasy oh, so yeah. it's this it's this really nice balance and i mean i've read tolkien before and the guy can literally spend like paragraphs describing trees so it was nice to a nice like snappy high fantasy and can we just say thank you for putting a glossary oh i loved reading glossary <laughs> i like read it before i started just to make
0: sure i knew it was happening <laughs> oh that's a good prep <laughs> dude that's something i would do definitely yeah. read it first uh, I didn't really have much resistance um, with the publisher in getting the uh, glossary in there, so we can thank them, too, because uh, yeah, they were they supported it. Where in the past I've written series and wanted a glossary in, but it was just uh, it was not YA. They were very long books, and they just didn't want an extra fifteen pages. It was just going to squish it too much. So anyway, um, I'm glad you liked the glossary <laughs> oh i love it So oh,
1: useful any anything with a map and a glossary is just like yes. or like even that the hierarchy where it shows like the robes the, the robes that was um, kind of, yeah oh i refer back to it all the time it's really really good and oh, that's good can, to hear can you explain the phantom system a little bit because we took the phantom chest to see what we oh phantom okay. yes i got what i got warrior i got altar mm. yes
0: Oh, I like, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Can you explain uh, the phantom system to our listeners a little bit? Cause I think that's a big,
0: big part. It's a, it's a big part of the world building. And I, that's why I tried in the very first, I think the very first chapter with Marcus, when his dad um, raises his phantom, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to show it right away. So there wasn't any confusion because the word phantom can uh, have other connotations, uh, but it's a thing all unto itself, and in this world, there there are classes of people, but they're not uh, really. There are realms with race, but that's not the big dividing line. It's whether you're savant or non-savant. Right. Whether you can raise a phantom or cannot. And of course, the bone throwers are the ones that that will determine. If you have the potential to raise a phantom and will be trialed when you're eight years old to see if you can and the phantom itself is I have a kind of a union psychology background so it has a kind of a uh, shadow the shadow yeah. self so it's an aspect really of the unconscious it's a part of the person you're not it's not a separate being but it comes, you project it out, it's brought up through the earth where it gathers uh, material. That's how it um, materializes Mm -hmm. uh, from going through the earth. And it's this living, breathing thing that you can talk to, you can hopefully, (laughs) poor Marcus, but you can dialogue with. And um, the, the goal of course is that the savant and the phantom work as one, this this unified, um, holistic team that can heal or, you know, in some way serve uh, mm-hmm. or fight in the case of the warrior and alters, um, <clears throat> in some way uh, better the realm. And then, of course, that creates all these elements of challenge uh, because not everybody's, you know, unconscious is, you know, I have the same... Um, needs and wants and desires, and it's like another person, but it's there with them, and there's all this um, telepathic or unconscious dialogue going on, which is something I love writing. It's probably my most favorite thing. That was too. cool,
1: to read that yes. internal dialogue. That was, yeah. cool. I was like, oh, they're talking to each other. Yes. <laughs> I, mean, I talk to myself all the time, so... <laughs>
0: because, yeah, same, and uh so hmm I can't when i when I thought about it, I can't really pinpoint where the idea came from, mm-hmm. other than the manifestation of the unconscious, but the first vision, because I visualize it, the first vision I got was this row of savants and then dropping to their knees and the phantoms bursting out of the ground and going into battle. And I thought, well, there's gotta be a story there.
1: (laughs) It's so badass. So which phantom do you rise then? Yeah.
0: Um depends a bit on my, when it comes to taking the test and you retake because you do find different moods and you'll, you might, um, click over to a different, and the thing that I'm not sure if it came through strong enough in the book, but the phantoms can be mixed classes. Yes. yes. Like for example, Samson has the caller and altar, and I haven't developed a good enough quiz to reflect that. And hopefully by the next book, we're going to have an upgraded test and we'll get the mixes. But I generally raise a mix of healer and caller, but sometimes warrior. And it depends on.
1: I was, I was surprised with my phantom. I was like, oh, warrior, because I consider myself a little bit of a baby. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, the phantom often has characteristics and will express characteristics that we might be hesitant to express. So. Interesting.
1: It's nice. There's a nice like psychological subconscious aspect to it. It's like there are parts of ourselves that we might not even understand, but
0: oh. who can come to yeah.
1: our aid and that kind of comes through like Marcus struggles a little bit
0: mm-hmm. in the beginning. It's a little trouble. And I will you know, no spoilers, but
1: yes, trouble
0: yeah. doesn't trouble doesn't resolve any time soon right. <laughs> for cool. him. In this example, that's <laughs> no spoiler, is it? No, no, no it's, just, it's part of his. He's got all, so many other things that are going to happen for him, but one of the things is coming to terms with that, with Dural, with that part of himself.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, it was one of the major growth arcs that I wanted in the story. Uh, all this earlier brainstorming and writing I did with my son, who um, it was just an incredible collaboration because i would come with ideas and he has a very cinematic view of storytelling and we would just go back and forth and come up with these uh, amazing things and the good thing about him is that he can go darker than mm-hmm. i will i have to like really push myself to mm-hmm. get to places that he seems quite naturally gravitate towards so Yay. it added it's definitely a collaboration I mean all books are a collaboration even if they've got a single writer mm-hmm. there is the, the editor there is the and it's not ever one editor and the agent and there's all this um, I think the closer you get to publication the more chefs get in the kitchen <laughs> it's quite a journey
1: it takes a village right for sure Um, So, I guess, can you tell us a bit more about how you came up with the um, fantasy elements of your book, like the map or the hierarchy of the robes, um, and kind of like the process you went through to like flesh out your fantasy world? Because it's just so well developed and it's so fun to read about. Yeah. Like when I read fantasy stuff like this, I'm like, how do people think about this? this And make it seem like. It's all cohesive. It all makes sense. It's a whole world. It's a whole
0: world. Yeah. It's crazy. So world. Yeah. <laughs> well, two thi- there were two things going on that really launched the story idea. And the first one, oh, I should have a link. Maybe we can have a link in the. Um, yeah, absolutely. So people can go over here. I want you guys to see this because it's a work of art and there aren't words that will describe it. You have to look at it and let it in. There is a painting by um, John Waterhouse, who, I don't know if you're familiar with the Waterhouse paintings. It's very romantic. Oh, have have a look. They're very romantic. There's actually, one of his images is on a uh, Juliet uh, Marilia cover. Um, it, anyway, <laughs> it was an image, it's called The Siren. And, uh, you, You look at that and I was given this uh, image, a a print of it by my father and I loved it and I put it up on the wall and I'd wake up and look at it every morning and it just started to, it was almost like it was moving and calling to me and it was very surreal and I think that drew me very much into the mar elements and the um, everything that's happening underwater. Um, plus, I scuba dived for years and years since I was a, your guys' age. And way um, <laughs> back then, uh, it's a magical, incredible world. And I've always wanted to, well, talk about it, share it, because there yeah. just aren't that many people in the world that scuba dive that you can say, oh, look at this. Uh, so I wanted people to look, to feel that, feel what it was like to be in that other world of underwater. Yeah. And and these underwater creatures, which are not siren and they're not mermaid, but uh, as you know, they have, as, and as you will know a lot more <laughs> about them are, um, mm-hmm. there'll be more elements. And one thing that also helped with the development of that fantasy element of, for the second and third book, which are written, after I wrote the first book... Um, yeah, I know it, it's maybe not very long before they I, I don't know. We'll talk about that in a minute, but um, the first uh, I wrote the first book. my agent fell. well, she became my agent because of that book. She, uh, Nicole Racineini, and she just fell in love with it and just just she has not let it go. She holds it <laughs> with her for, for years and years. Anyway, while she was in the process of finding a house for that book, Um, and I didn't, hadn't written two and three, she suggested I write a, an urban fantasy, Mm -hmm. and is that one came first? I think The Blood in the Beginning came next after that, which is an urban fantasy, uh, which is contemporary, well, it's dystopia, futuristic LA, where half of it's underwater, and there are Mar, and there are humans uh, surviving the big one, in california where i'm from so the big one felt cool to write about um anyway there was there's a whole novel where i developed more of the mar and a more a deeper there's more science of them mm-hmm. in that book because it's not fantasy it's urban fantasy it's more kind of sci-fi urban fantasy yeah and i was able to even though it doesn't come out in the uh, amassia series it, I know why the, the uh, history of the Mar that uh, helped inform me writing it in this series. Right. Also, I did a novella, um, which is in an anthology that has, that was the, that's earthquake too. I just realized <laughs> that's the 1903 earthquake in, uh, in San Francisco, which we find out was caused by Tiern. Um, for various reasons. So we have even characters like Salila and Tiern who feature in, because they're timeless, right. they feature in these uh, books as well, which helps the more an author can write about a story world, the richer it becomes. Right. I think you need to write about it. No, that's... So a- a hierarchy of the robes had to come from my martial arts background, you get, you, as you train, you get different colored belts, mm-hmm. um, it was a way to, for them to recognize their achievement, their right. level of, of achievement, so it has nothing to do with what kind of phantom you raise, right. but how much you've, you know, how far along you are on the path on to, the path. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I love it, yeah. You do martial. So oh, and the the map. Oh yes, the map. that's together. That was number one. <laughs> Sorry, you have to just tell me to be quiet. I'm a Gemini. I'm just gonna keep talking. Um, <laughs> the the map came side, pretty much side by side with the image of the siren, John Waterhouse's siren. I was on YouTube looking for something i can't remember what and i came across this uh, we can link to this too and it's amazing uh this little animation of you know how we've got seven continents and with it start out as one pangea yeah Yeah. (laughs) and then they shifted and ran into each other and created the topography that we have now well guess what they keep moving (laughs) and in 250 million years they return to a single continent
1: yeah i have a must and (laughs)
0: so so that and i as soon as i saw as watched that animation saw them and i thought that's that's my story world Okay. that return. And of course, that length of time, we've had a lot of extinctions. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of incredible changes. We would have evolved. DNA could have taken a very different track. such that There could be more. There could be savant. There could be non-savant. It just created a possibility, a what-if possibility to give this story a place to unfold in
1: yeah it's a nice thing about fantasy like just picturing yourself in the world was like I was a daydreamer as a child so this resonates well with Mm -hmm. me I'm like Mm -hmm. I'm gonna picture what my phantom would look like did you ever like draw a map of a world that didn't exist hundred a hundred percent that's what's the nice thing about fantasy so it's just like so amazing to see people put it on paper I'm like I know that's crazy I love maps in books. Yeah. We, we like die over maps in books. We've said it so many times on our podcast. We're like, yes, a map. <laughs> a map. What, was the, what was the writing process like for you then? Cause we, I mean, we have a lot of listeners I think who are, um, asp- authors. Yeah, aspiring authors. They message all the time. Oh. Like, Oh my God, I want to publish a book. Like I, it's always yeah. my dream to be an author. So do you have like anything to tell them about the writing process or tips or especially these days when I think it's probably a little
0: harder to get published.
1: Um, Traditionally, Traditionally.
0: yeah. It can sure seem that way. And I've got all the time in the world for emerging writers and aspiring writers. Um, I think it's great that uh, you take the time to ask that question and uh, involve them in the the dialogue that way. Uh, I think going back to the idea of the map, when you're writing fantasy, I'm trying to think of who I heard this from. Someone. This isn't from me. Um, start with a map, hmm. and I think you'll find that most fantasy, and certainly the higher or more epic fantasies, will have a map because uh, to help situate
1: the mm-hmm. reader.
0: And because we're not in LA, and we're not in Wait. cottage country. I can't remember <laughs> where <laughs> we are. not in Kansas anymore.
1: No, no. <laughs>
0: But um, so, just starting. My map started with the city of Basin. Mm-hmm. and I knew we had this whole big thing. But what was that game? Um, we have the little guys come out and go ready to serve. Um, it's a uh, role playing world. Of, I can't remember all the terms for those kind of computer games. But the no. point, I'll find it and I'll let you know. World of um, Warcraft. <laughs> Ah, okay. You go. Yeah. You go. <laughs> it's, it's World of Warcraft it came um the way that I understand it the more you go the more the map opens up right yes. it's all gray around you it starts mm-hmm. a little village and it's all gray mm-hmm. and as you move you can s- pan back and see more of the world that's how um that's how I wrote it start here's the city I kind of knew that we had this um, um Asia, but uh here's the city Now, let's we got to go somewhere, we're going to, you know, and anyway, it expanded out as the journey Mm -hmm. took place. So as an emerging writer, I think one of the most challenging things to do is to uh, face that blank page, and if your idea is, I want to write a book, you're going to need to narrow that down. (laughs) 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 Well, there's so many things you can write about. Yeah. because there's too much, and it's what I call constraints, and it seems like a, a bad word. It's not. Mm-hmm. Without constraints, if somebody says, write a story, it can be as long as you want, about anything you want, in any genre, and you've got all the time in the world to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I would just be, I would spend a week just going, you know, I do for my brain. Yeah. <laughs> too many options. It's too much. It's, there's no constraints. It's yeah. infinite possibilities, and it's too... It's too broad. So you bring in what I call Saturn constraints and you bring in these boundaries. Um, write in this genre, make it this, you know, 80,000 words. Get me a, um, a brief outline of your ideas in one week, mm-hmm. go. Much easier, right. Man- much easier. So give yourself, and one way to get cool um, constraints, <laughs> So, never thought that would go in a sentence, but it, one way to do it is to go to your favorite publishers or check out your favorite genres, and they will often have um, submission guidelines. Oh, oh
1: I didn't know that. that's interesting. In the, if
0: you look under for uh, authors or submissions, anyway, you'll find it uh, in their um, menu bar. Go to the guidelines, and they'll say what they're acquiring right now. Not that you're going to right to try to sell, don't do that. But you'll get an idea of um, the word count for a mm-hmm. specific genre, um, and they'll say, no, I don't know what, they'll have, it'll give you constraints. Yeah. And you may not even submit to this company, uh, or maybe you look at the submission guidelines of um, agents Maybe agents, look up agents of your favorite authors and go check their submission guidelines. And it's just a roundabout way to create your list of constraints and that's your project. And uh, don't go out there and try to write, you know, an 80,000 or 100,000 or 100 however many uh, book. Write a scene, just go set yourself to write a scene and then write a chapter around that scene. And then write, or if you can't, if you're not even getting the scene yet, character study. Yeah. Just start writing about this character, give him a history, what does he look like? Um, What's the chip on his shoulder, or not, or where is he vulnerable, (laughs) where is he? And I think giving yourself these little writing tasks is so much better than thinking, I've got to try to, I want to write a book, and yeah, you do, and yeah, you will, but if you just write and work on a scene a day, in a year, you've got a huge novel to edit down into something really crisp and um, wonderful stuff. That's, that would be tip number one, constraints. Mm-hmm. Tip, the, and the other thing I would say is really important, treat yourself like a writer. Give yourself the respect that you are hoping to get in the future from other people. Now, give it to you now.
1: Mm -hmm. Treat yourself
0: like a writer, and that means every day you will have a writing time. You will have, I don't know, you'll say, I want to write 500 words or a word count, or uh, I'm going to write for two hours. I'm going to write for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Whatever feels good to you, you go to your place that is where you write, And you do it every day. Treat it like a job. I learned that from Stephen King. Mm -hmm. Um, He wrote a fabulous book called On Writing. And I'd recommend that to any, you don't have to be a horror fan, um, any aspiring writer. Just chock full of really wonderful tools plus insight into this mind of this man so yes
1: i know yeah he's a powerhouse in that awesome. sense he's a great yeah
0: it's yeah it's phenomenal but this is a great book of his i think everyone should have it who wants to buy
1: i love that advice too like treat yourself like a writer mm-hmm. i think for a lot of people it's like you yeah. don't consider yourself a writer yeah and sense. and it doesn't it almost like doesn't seem like a feasible thing to do it's like oh to write a book like to hold something that you've written in your hands like it seems like surreal. So Mm -hmm. that's a nice piece of advice. Just treat yourself like a writer, dress for the job you want. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Dress
0: for success. But it's so true. So true. No, that's good.
1: Any, uh, so in terms of your own writing process for this book, like, can you tell us a bit more about like how long it took to write, like between starting it and then getting it published?
0: (laughs) Oh, so writing the book, Um, There's a few different questions in there. The actual writing of the first manuscript um, probably took nine months. Oh, usually takes me nine to 12 months to uh, get what I would call a solid first draft, which is usually my 10th or 15th draft. I write and rewrite a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, That doesn't seem to change over the years, but... um, (laughs) So that process, because I do I, with writing that, my word count was three thousand words. When I first was getting story down, I would sit down and write three thousand words and would not leave the computer until I'd accomplished that seven days a week. so yeah, you do get it you do get it hammered out pretty quickly,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and plus the story was just exploding coming in up. Me, and I was brainstorming with my son, so it was but then it's the editing that into what i felt was a you the author always thinks yeah i finished the book (laughs) meet your editor (laughs) it changes but um then but the getting it published and this might give um hope to the inspiring writers i've had two three no two three fantasy series um published at the time so it wasn't like the first time around for me yeah. but this this series this idea was hard to sell yeah. it was initially really hard to sell and um as much as uh, my agent absolutely which is gosh and she's Awesome. She can she can sell anything. <laughs> but anyway, she she was just taking her life career on the success of this book to people, and she still does. Uh, and it was difficult to find a home for it. And I think mm, here's what happened. I, think I remember because we're looking back years. Um, when I initially wrote it, it was not a YA. Ah, mm-hmm. it was not a YA. It was much longer. Mm-hmm. It was um, the romance was. It was less romantic. That's not the right term. The romance was there, but there was less attention to um, romance. The feeling responses, those visceral. Um, mm-hmm. There was less of that there was more yeah it was longer oh and there were something like 16 pov characters it was written in the third person wow past tense like my other books so there's like 16 povs but it, all in the um third person so you're never jumping from i so vo- the voice of the narrator um is the continuity right it it's it seem it's uh binds it all together
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, after a year or two of shopping it and not finding the offer that we wanted, Nick said, You know, I think this story, she said, Sit down. I want to come this. <laughs> I think this story wants to be YA. <laughs> she said to me. And I, and I, um, I like. I got on with that. I got on really into that idea. It probably took a year per book that was already written to mm-hmm. rewrite mm-hmm. from these other quality. I mean, the same kinds of things happened. and again, I knew more chance to work on that world building, so it was yeah. really great. But there's a different emphasis, and so that shift in emphasis. And then we sold it. So it sold, I think, in 2016 uh, or 17, right in there. It was, no, it must have been 16 because it was meant to come out in 2018. There's been some um, pauses, not pauses, Um, they've adjusted for various reasons, the release date, Uh, obviously. This one's for sure. It's definitely coming out. Definitely coming out. in January. (laughs) But then... Uh, my publisher said, "Let's have it in the first person," hmm. Hmm. which is a complete rewrite. Right? Yeah. Every every single sentence <laughs> is a rewrite. <laughs> it's complete. <laughs> I was like I just sit down for that one, then turn it into a YA. So the, she wanted first person present tense which I'd never written in before. I've written in first person with the Ava Sykes book, but uh, hadn't done that. So that took a little while to get in the swing of. And then cutting, she wanted to cut down on the POVs mm-hmm. because it's almost impossible to have uh, a story with that many factors, starting with I, that is a different person. Right. Yeah. And give gives them a completely different voice. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, and for the reader not to wonder which the heck I were into. Right? Much easier in the third person where you can set it up in the first sentence mm-hmm. who you're with. And there's that continuity. So I was challenged. That challenged me mm-hmm. as a writer, which is great. But um, so that took time as well. So f- <laughs> I can't remember the question now but it took a long time <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> to get um, really, it's been a long time yeah, coming long time.
1: but it's been it, a long
0: time coming
1: yeah it's nice that it's um finally coming to fruition so it's interesting oh. that they said to change it to YA so big market though for YA we get so many emails from people just saying like they are just such voracious readers so I'm sure that people will devour this one mm-hmm. so absolutely yeah thank it, you it's so exciting so congrats for it's coming out It's finally coming <laughs> out <laughs> thank coming you out. <laughs> um thank you who is um your favorite character to write now that we're talking about the uh povs and writing process who's your favorite character and who is the most challenging i won't say who you don't like but
0: <laughs> oh i love them all even tan <laughs> There in the originals we had Tan's POV and I got to get inside his head. Um Tan is, is kind of the big one of the big bads.
1: Okay.
0: Um I, I don't use the word evil. Evil. I think I've I think of my a couple of editors tried to slip it in and I got it right back out. One <laughs> of the big points in the book, I know this is a sidetrack. One of the big points in the book, we're all on the path and there is no Along the path, there's no right or wrong, there's no good or evil, there's yeah. experience. Mm-hmm. And that um, was a new concept for some of my <laughs> helpers. Wanted to label, I wanted to stay away from this, you know, it was obvious some of the characters were um, more destructive than others. Or in <laughs> any way, favorite. I know. Oh, it's hard. <laughs> I love my character so much. Ash, but Ash with her inner voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, that okay. dialogue between those two and maybe her inner voice, I've got a real soft spot for them. And I think she's, she's more... She's more like what I identify with in myself mm-hmm. the wordsmith and the loyalty and, the, all, and all the feelings of, you know, can I really play with big boys? And, you know, all the, um, I identify with her. But for the female, I'm going to pick more than one. Her female's favorite to write, because she's my favorite character, mm-hmm. uh, her inner her inner voice. Favorite to write, Salila. She's cool. Yeah. Salila, the Mar. You'll see more of her as the story unfolds. I've written her in two other novels that, that I've mentioned before. She to write her is sh- because she's so free and she says what she thinks and she mm-hmm. is she's beyond femme fatale. She is just so emancipated mm-hmm. as a being. Um, and just so uh, she just can gets away with well, I won't say <laughs> because I don't have any spoilers. But she, she's something else, and she's very freeing to write. And uh, her her perceptions, her the way she sees the world, mm-hmm. unbelievable. <laughs> she's really something.
1: She's a she's a good one, and it's I think. Um... The call for those strong female characters is so big these days, and Mm. I think um, I don't know. I just remember as a young girl reading a lot of the female representation I got was from books, not from movies or like video games. It was from books, so it's nice to see, you know, all these female badass characters getting their uh, their time. Yeah, their time in the spotlight. Getting
0: their time. I agree. And not just female characters that are badass because they're doing boy things. No, because they're but badass within themselves, like uh, whoever they yeah.
1: choose to be, like on their path. Exactly. And I think that's I what, like yeah. Ash says that too. Like I think she, when Marcus is being a little judgy sometimes, she's like sometimes it's just not people's paths. So it's nice to like read about just badass characters yeah. and whatever they choose to be. Mm-hmm which is
0: the that's best right. thing. <laughs> yes. Not just doing all those uh, boy things. Or... Exactly. Because, I mean, it had to kind of, um, I think of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, who I <laughs> love and adore, and she is our strong female of that time. But she was the doing what, oh, don't you have to be a boy to do that? And that's what made it amazing. Mm-hmm. But being, and she had her other strengths on the on the feeling level. and um, But just a, Strength is neither one gender or the other, is the, and it, it's hard in our society with our history and everything to write that, but let's mm-hmm. just try to do that.
1: No, it's nice um, that the author is breaking the mold, I think.
0: Oh, yeah. And you see it, it's just happening more and more, and I think it is wonderful for both male <laughs> and female uh, readers to have those uh, images in their head. Yep, I think it's really important. It's character to look up to. Hard to, the, the hard to write, um, might have been, Marcus, Marcus was hard because I had to change him a little. I, when I initially wrote him, he had a much steeper growth arc. Mm. Uh, he started out, uh, down there somewhere, <laughs> he started out, um uh, <laughs> Less he less along the path for sure, and my editor felt that he wasn't going to be. He, he, people aren't going to want to wait for book two or three to get behind. You know him. I loved that that he had such a steep and challenging growth arc. That by the time we got there, we were just oh my god, I love this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but they wanted it to happen faster. Right. Um, with less steep, less, they just didn't, yeah, they didn't want him to perhaps be un- too unrelatable. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> there was rewriting there, but he, I don't know, although difficult, writing his dialogue with his phantom uh, is harder for me than writing ashen in inner voice, but <laughs> it's very satisfying because uh, his phantom, it's just satisfying because it's so hard for them and it's hard for me when I'm doing it. And then when I get it, it's more rewarding, so. Yeah.
1: Yeah, challenging is not necessarily a bad thing, so.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, So you keep mentioning book uh, two and three. Is this uh, going to be a trilogy? Like, can you tell us anything more about the sequel? Like when we can
0: expect them? Anything you can tell us? Um, I can tell you. I can tell you there are three books, and it's it is a trilogy. It's like I don't know if you know. Talking, he when he submitted Lord of the Rings, it was one manuscript, like right, it was one, <laughs> one manuscript, and the publisher said you can't you can't bind that. <laughs> We're going to cut it into three, and it was the beginning of the three book fantasy trilogy. Um, this story is very much what it was one manuscript but it's the story arc is all there's no skips and jumps book book 2 begins seconds after book 1 ends oh,
1: wow
0: okay book 3 it's it's one big story arc there's never um you don't have to read about a hiatus in there of any kind it's just the sto- the story is all continuous uh and the win um this is a really good question i don't know i've been told i've been asked i suspect that they're going to see how book one goes if it goes really well i'll be uh head down tail up they're going to want to put the next one out in a matter of months yeah um, <laughs> if just it's going to depend I think on demand on how soon but I'm pretty sure it's likely that the, they'll be six months apart okay okay <laughs>
1: because that means
0: too long. Too, not too, too too long
1: okay <laughs> I know yeah every time I start a new series I'm like I know how long am I gonna have to wait till the next one? <laughs> I know, so that doesn't sound yeah. too long. that sounds good i can I can handle six months six I, months I I can by fast. yeah, I can handle that so that's <laughs> that's good to know i'm I'm hoping we get to see that like in that timeline. Yes, because well, I I look so. forward to seeing what happens next with your characters, for sure. yeah. I mean, I'm <laughs> not even done this one yet, but I'm already like sweating. I'm like, <laughs> what's gonna happen to them? <laughs> yeah,
0: you're gonna be really sweating and yeah uh, out.
1: Oh God. Okay. <laughs> ah, panicking a little. Um so just in case our listeners don't know, you're also an astrologer, yes? Yes. Which is probably like so cool, the coolest thing ever. <laughs> like bar none. Not not the fact that you're not you're an author, you're a martial artist, which is add astrologer <laughs> on top of ah, that, just the little cherry on top. Um, what does that look like in practice and how did that, did that affect your writing in any way, your storytelling?
0: Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Um, affects everything. Um, my dad was an astrologer. So the whole language of, um, astrology and the symbol system that it is, is kind of part of me growing Mm -hmm. up as a teen. I took, um, started doing charts as a teen and. Oh, it's so cool! <laughs> Thousands later, um, I, there's a couple gifts in that study. It's been a lifelong study. One is non-judgment, because you learn that um, the person who's a little pushy and you know is really in there to pioneer and make their way. That's not good or bad. That's Marsy or that, you know, that indicates Mars or maybe Mars, Pluto, or maybe they've got a splash of Aries or that it's the labels change. Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: The person that is more cautious and wants to digest things more, mull them over uh, the person who isn't going to really take, you know, take that step forward until they feel within themselves it's safe. Um, maybe they've got Moon and Venus conjunct on the ascendant. Maybe they've got a splash of cancer. Do you understand the nature of people in a very accepting way? Because Mm -hmm. all the 12 signs are archetypes. We have all 12 signs, uh, in us, in our charts. Some get more airtime than others. Sometimes the ones that don't get airtime have the most say from the unconscious. It's just a fascinating study that lets you, it just allows for that feeling of acceptance of people's path. And I think uh, as far as affecting my writing, the my earlier series that I wrote under Kim Faulkner uh, has astrology in them.
1: Mm, okay, I
0: utilized it and, uh, and when I wrote my primary characters, I created charts for them all. There was natal charts. And whenever I got into a sticky situation, um, what would Rosette do? What would Aunt Lawrence do? I'd look at their chart. Oh, okay, Moon and Scorpio, <laughs> they're just gonna stab them in the back. Or <laughs> not that Moon and Scorpio would do that, but the drama, you know, the dramatized version of what how they may approach conflict. Uh, I would just go to it that way. Uh, and in this series, It's evolved um, more, I think one of the most important things I wanted to bring out was the acceptance of where an individual is along the path, Mm -hmm. whether they're savant or non-savant, and the uh, integrity and the rightness of that moment in time, even if it feels atrocious Mm -hmm. from another perspective, it's having that perspective of realizing everything's all experience. So yeah, it's had a you know, it's informed who I am. So yeah, my writing, it spills out into that.
1: Honestly, it's, it's so, I, we love looking at our own. We, yes. When I saw my, when I saw my birth chart, I was like, my life makes makes sense. sense. (laughs) I was like, oh, yay. Because I think, obviously I feel like everyone knows their astrology sign, right? Um, Yeah. yeah, (laughs) But then I, my, me and my mom are both Aries. So my oh, mom always oh. tell me, she's like, oh, like, you're not, you know, I'm more headstrong than you or whatever. And I'm like, I don't understand why I'm a cancer rising. And I feel like that oh. like, after under, like looking at my birth chart, I was like, wow, I feel so much more in tune
0: with myself. <laughs> so it's, seems- that's amazing. That's amazing that those are the two signs I chose to <laughs> exemplify. <laughs> I
1: was like, oh, wow. It's like you read my mind. Yeah. Well, I'm a Libra. Yeah. Scorpio, right? Yay! No, it's honestly (laughs) makes sense though. It's so amazing, and I just I feel like astrology um is getting kind of it's like time in the spotlight these days for sure. But it's I think it's nice to see people who have studied it so in depth Mm -hmm. and like really truly understand it and like all its encompasses. Because sometimes when I look at a birth chart, I'm like I don't even know where to start.
0: everyone feels that way and there are techniques of you know how how to dive in it's mainly look at as many charts as you possibly can and um take a few little steps like where's the sun where's the moon what's rising start there that's the place to start Mm -hmm. what house is happening but you're right it has it has changed and the the whole um computer astrology programs uh, back in the day, of course, I learned to do it all by hand, the mathematics using mm-hmm. logarithms and ephemeris, and it would take, when I got good at it, it took me an hour to create a person's chart, wow. But the, whereas now I can do it in two seconds. But the thing is, as you create it, because you have to adjust each planet to the exact degree, you plot it into the, it's all done with pencil, <laughs> into the wheel, you, the chart, comes to life over that hour and you get to uh, understand it and walk with it in a uh, over time where now I just push a button and there it is Um, and you get the whole hit which I can handle the whole hit now but I can understand how that would just feel like a Jackson Pollock Painting is <laughs> splashing in front of you mm-hmm. uh, at first because you're not doing it by hand and you're not getting to put those individual planets and yeah. points in around the wheel, and uh, which gives you time to integrate it. Yeah,
1: yeah. I've gotten as far as a uh, sun, moon, and rising. That's about it right now. Yeah, same. Oh. Yeah, getting there same. though. It's very cool. It's very yeah. So when we saw you were astrologer, I was like, that it's is so amazing. amazing. That so cool it's literally amazing so yes um well uh before we let you go we have one more question and i think this is a timely question for the day and age yes so um we're assuming that you know given the whole um COVID situation you're doing a lot more work at home like more of like working at home at a desk type of thing um so is there any um tips that you can give other people or our listeners in terms of you know staying healthy at a desk job since like this is so many people's new normal given asking for a friend yeah <laughs> ourselves um, <laughs> <laughs> you know for people working at home that kind of thing any tips you can give would be great yeah yes uh this was uh, actually my
0: favorite question because i did read through i knew Kind of where you were going with, um, <laughs> and they're all wonderful, of course. You know, hey. blah, blah, blah. But um, <laughs> this was one of my favorites because it's so important. And I think there's so much emphasis on the mind and the intellect that we have disconnected from the body, and it's to a certain degree, and we don't listen to body signals. Uh, the body might be screaming for things. Um, not chocolate, but screaming for <laughs> for feel that on a deep well, like mostly exercise. Get me out, fresh, whatever it's calling for, and we, um, not all of us, but a lot of us aren't listening. Then when we do exercise, it might be screaming for us to back off or take. You know, can I walk now? <laughs> so, and no, we're pushing through. And the coach is sh- so uh, one of the important. Tips I would say is tune into your body, mm-hmm. listen to your body. I like to think of the body as this prized racehorse, and you wouldn't put it in a stall for a month and then go, Oh, here's the race, Let's get him out. <laughs> you would be that horse would be out, you know, galloping the track or you know, turned out into pad- that horse would have real time for what it was built for and our bodies were built to move as humans how far do we i can't remember there's this travel of i don't know how many kilometers a day the tra- when we were hunter gatherers oh right, um, right we were moving and the body is built for that uh, kind of movement so to offer some tips what i do i start the day every day for the past i don't know five years at least I've been doing yoga for a long, long, long time, but I uh, do yoga every morning, usually anywhere from a 30 to 50 minute session. I love, can we talk about certain, um, you can cut it if you don't like it, um, yoga with Adrian is, she's my gal. She's yeah. in Texas, but she's all over the world. And she's just, she's my gal. She's I supported me through so many novels and so many, and she's got yoga for everything. That um, is so cool! Oh my God. I love her. I love her. Okay. No, so I she's my go-to yoga, but here's the thing. And I don't, I don't know if this is going to sound weird, but nothing's really changed for me since COVID as a writer. Um, I isolate. Well, I live with my son and my grandkids, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, you know, work in my little garret, and I, over the years have, you know, my social life has shrunk, um, because I give everything to the writing. Right. And, but to, so it hasn't changed much then, but for a lot of people, actually one way it's changed really well is that there are more zoom, Mm -hmm. uh, virtual zoom yoga. I was doing some, uh, yoga hell, inferno, uh, inferno Pilates with my sister who's in California. Oh. And uh, so we were Zooming together. There's uh, there's no reason in the world why, m- whether you're more at home or you have a an occupation that requires a lot of desk time mm-hmm. to not keep your body moving. So morning yoga, I have a standing desk, which is behind me. Oh, okay, and the sitting one, same programs are all uh, obviously networked. And I start my morning on the standing desk and I'll do uh, after yoga and I'll do my um, daily Astro stuff that uh, I send out to followers and whatever. I'll uh, ease into emails, all that standing. Then I'll come to the sitting desk and work for a while and work out whether I'm editing or writing new material or it's a marketing pitch or if I'm doing the synopsis. (laughs) Tell your emerging writers about that. That's a whole podcast, the synopsis. (laughs) Um (laughs) um, and then I'll go back to the standing and for so back and forth, back and forth. Right. Uh, Between standing and sitting, because I think the actual sitting is very weird for our physiology. It affects our bodies tremendously, and here we're doing so much of it. So just being able to get up and work standing is very helpful. Then midday, I'll either garden, walk to the beach, do some kind of... um, It's not harsh. (laughs) It's so beautiful. I'm so appreciative. Um, Because I can always get outside. Yeah. Always. There's no time of year where outside isn't inviting, which is just such a blessing to the Yeah, we can't really
1: that. Yeah, unfortunately. That, right now it's it's outside. It's hard sometimes. The yeah. wind chill. I'm just like, you know what, we tried. We're
0: gonna we're gonna head back inside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seconds, yeah. Seconds. Yeah. I know. But so then you find things to do inside, whether it's the yoga, weights, I've done a lot of weights, which is great, and dance, oh my gosh, you know, there's some just fantastic Zumba dance that you can do uh, that is so freeing and uh, energizing, and you work up a sweat, and you feel like you've been in the drum circle, or something, you know, you feel like you've been connected that way, um, and swimming, so, but the point is, obviously, all these things, uh, these outside things are not accessible to everyone, but everybody who has a computer and a phone line can go to YouTube. And I I think you have to work it into your routine. Yeah. I think it has to be yoga before morning cuppa. It's just, it becomes the routine. And then mm-hmm. you, four or five hours into writing or into the work, then... It's okay, let's get the body and move. Let's get her, get this racehorse <laughs> going and tuning in. And of course, uh, good nutrition along with that. At the desk, it's so easy. In the past, I think with my first series, and I was so uh, nervous writing that first because the whole thing sold before I'd written it. I remember um, this was at Harper Collins and Stephanie Smith, she said, This is fantastic. What happens in book two and three? And I just go, Book two and three, <laughs> so one <laughs> Yeah, I was stuttering, and I had, and so I was very nervous. And there was a lot of munching going on during the, uh, just to keep the you know coffee and munching and yeah, that probably wasn't the best thing in the world. But also, you have to balance with what gets you through the situation as yeah. well. A lot of those books written so. That was the <laughs> yeah, that was
1: the goal. It's such a delicate balance, I think. Like we're definitely guilty of it. I totally. like we could prioritize body so yes. much more. I like napping though. Yeah, that's so we always joke around. We love napping and our cardio is very bad.
0: So yes, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> you know what sometimes yeah, I wouldn't I'm sorry to interrupt, but I wouldn't uh do napping at all because sometimes the nap especially for water signs in particular the nap and we all have water somewhere uh the nap is the cure oh emotionally upset nap um <laughs> fatigue nap which makes yeah. sense but um it's it can be the break your body needs like getting you out of it yeah. <laughs> so it can recharge mm-hmm. it's listening you know if your body's saying nap you don't go do cardio <laughs> you do a I, I, I feel feel validated. Yes, thank you.
1: (laughs) I think uh I think grad school killed a lot of uh energy for me for a while. So I'm like recovering still from that (laughs) from that emotional draining experience. So but it'd be nice to back into that. I love that you do yoga every morning. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're so freaking cool. um so thank you so much is there anything else oh yeah you want to tell us about your book tell our listeners about our book before we
0: let you go yeah oh me on the spot yes <laughs> I, I think I just want to say um blessings to you all who read it and uh, I hope you enjoy it and yeah it's my gift to you yeah. Oh, so
1: thank you. It's yeah. Truly a gift. Yeah, it truly is. It's really wonderful. So we hope people pick it up. Yes. Christmas came early for us. Yeah. yeah. Really. Yes. I can. I cannot wait to finish it. And I really hope yes. we get those sequels quickly. Me tell too. your publisher. We want to know okay. what happens then. Okay. We will email man. Yeah. We will email Nicole. We will tell her. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we just appreciate you being here in your time yeah. and all your advice for everyone and chatting about your book. It's been so nice talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, it's the same. I appreciate you guys so much. And not just this moment, but what you're doing for every author you sit
0: across from and for all your readers and all your reflections on all the reading, you're just keeping it all alive and giving it a boost. and um, I'm very grateful for both of you for doing thank that you. Thank, you. So nice. thank you. That's so nice.
1: thank you it's it's been fun. It's been, been a fun, fun ride, thing. very fun. Yeah, yeah, it's been a fun ride. But um every time we sign off on our podcast. We say, we say thanks for listening to two book pitches so we want to so know will you do that for us oh sure yeah. <laughs> so. okay it's time to sign off thanks for listening to two book pitches bye